So welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast. This is where we explore the new game-changing understanding that can unlock new levels of performance, resourcefulness, and well-being in the workplace. Join us if you want to be part of the new breed of leaders in business. Join us if you're fed up with the conventional echo chamber. And join us if you want to be part of the new revolution in understanding how the mind works and recognize that we are more than just our psychology and that that can lead to better results. So welcome to Quality of Mind Transforming Business. This is the podcast series that introduces a game-changing understanding of the human mind that unlocks new levels of performance, resourcefulness, and well-being in any organization. And on this episode, I am really privileged and honored to be joined by Dr. Ken Manning. And Ken is the co-founder and president of a company called Insight Principles, Inc., based in Boston in America. And they are the pioneers, really, of this understanding of the mind in the business world. They've been operating for over 10 years now and work with some wonderful clients. And on a personal level, they've been instrumental in my own development and exploration of this understanding and how to uh, work with it in organizations. So I am really privileged to have Ken joining me today um, for us to have a chat. So welcome, Ken. Thanks, Piers. It's really nice to be here with you. Well, uh, absolutely, my pleasure. So, um, first of all, Ken, I wonder if you could just um, paint a short picture for people listening, um, just to illustrate a little bit about um, what kind of organizations you work with and what sort of benefit they get. And then once you've done that, maybe we can talk more about this understanding. So, just paint a picture of, of the kind of organizations you work with. Well, we work with the Fortune 100 companies uh, around the world, you know, some of the really big names. And uh, we work at the, with their senior teams all the way up to the top. And then when people uh, see the value of what we have to offer, they then have us trickle down through their layers of teams and organization because they seem to get so much benefit out of what we're sharing with them. So we, we love to uh, share with people the science of the human dimension and how it interfaces with business. So people have challenging business problems that they want to resolve or increase their uh, scope of business or bring new products to market or solve team issues that they're having. And we show them the power of the human factor in either preventing those problems from being solved or in achieving the results they want to get. And they, you know, most people don't uh, usually look in that direction because there's so much out there and so, much, so many models and theories and perspectives and practices and trainings that people really like and get some value from, but they don't really move the ball forward in many cases in terms of their team functioning or in terms of their business results. So as a result, you know, looking in the direction of how people function and pe- how people operate is not something that respected by senior leaders for the most part in these really big corporations. 
because they don't know that there's a simple science that really works. So we're trying to bring a simple science that really works and show that to these business executives so that they realize, oh, okay, we can look in this direction now in an efficient and effective manner. So that's the, that's the game that we're trying to play. We're trying to find something that is respectable and shows really good results and actually really works. And uh, we've done uh, a decent enough job that we get lots of uh, referrals and uh, the business keeps growing. And, and um, we'll get into what that simple science is in a moment because I'd love you to explain that to people listening. Um, but before we do that, a couple of things that really just struck me when um, I first came across your work uh, with, with Robin, you know, about sort of four or five years ago was, well, there's many things actually, but, but one of the things you said was, well, we don't really do any sales and marketing. We just get phone calls from people we used to work with um, and they want us to come and help them, which I thought, wow, what a great business. The benefit of the work they do is so powerful. It just speaks for itself. Um, and I know some of the results that you've helped businesses achieve um, in, in some of those large fortune you know, companies that you're working with um, are, are, you know, at a huge scale, can you give just a quick illustration of some of the benefits that you've you've bought, you've helped uh, a business enable to realize? Um, sure, you know we're in one of the biggest uh, chemical companies in the world, and uh, they have a operations team that has a twenty six billion dollar operating budget for their plants around the world. And we were asked to come in and help them find a way to get a billion dollars out of their operating budget. Now, this is a group that's been working with Lean and Six Sigma for decades. And they just really had to get uh, some budget and some cost out. So uh, we got together with the leader of the operations and the 22 global leaders and put them in a room and showed them how their mind works at a deeper level than they're used, used to understanding. And what was surprising was how well they relaxed and enjoyed the, the looking in this direction. It was not that common for them. And when they settled down and began to look at how to find insight in a simpler way than what they're used to, they started coming up with a great plan to uh, figure out how to save a billion dollars. And they came up with about $2.8 billion of ideas, which translated into about seven to $800 million of cost reduction in the next year. So these are the wow. kind of, these are the kind of uh, uh, projects we love to work with people on. I mean, that, that, that is a, a fantastic example. And I think as a business person listening to that, you can't now help but be curious to say, well, <laughs> what is it that you're doing? You've mentioned the simple science of the mind. You, you, you talked about helping people calm down and settle down and see insights. What is it that you're doing with organizations that lean in Six Sigma aren't? Or, and, and what is it that can be in the mind that can help a business get that scale of benefit? People don't consciously realize 
how much mental capacity there is beyond the intellect and the capacity to analyze and solve business situations intellectually. We've all been so educated and trained into the sophisticated use of the intellect and the analytical mind to uh, address and solve business issues that most people are using a small section of their mental capacity and don't realize how much more mental capacity they actually have, that they're using some of the time, but rarely using consciously. So we show people where that mental capacity is. And then we also show them the limitations of using their intellectual abilities for everything that they're doing. So for example, uh, we would say that most business meetings operate at about a 10% efficiency because people are basically not really listening to each other. People hear some words and then they go off thinking they know what has, is going to be said and they get in their heads thinking about what they're going to say next and they miss 90% of the rest of what's being said. So what you actually have going on in most business meetings is People are sharing information and engaging around the information, but they're actually not really understanding each other in a deeper way in terms of where people are coming from, what people are meaning, what people are seeing. And as a result, people are not accessing the wisdom and the insight and the intelligence that everybody's capable of. So we actually don't go to business meetings anymore expecting to have wisdom and insight. We expect to go to business meetings to just get information shared or to, you know, figure out what the leader wants or figure out how to get things done. So when we get into these senior teams, we know there's a massive amount of wisdom and intelligence and insight available that people are not accessing. So what we do is we show people uh, at a deep enough level how the mind works so they can begin to get an appreciation of the value and the power that's available in the room that they're not accessing. And then when they start getting out of their ways, they're delighted to see how brilliant they become. And I think there's, there's well, a lot in what you said, but the one thing that particularly I heard there was how we've almost as a society or as a business community, you know, normalized that meetings are just to go and you know, listen and get information or tell someone something they need to know. And actually, we're not primed or, or looking to explore this wisdom. And it's, I mean, you and your colleagues wrote a book called Invisible Power. And so it is invisible to people because it's been so normalized that we don't go there. And I think what I heard you say there was when people do realize that, that they suddenly realize how brilliant they can be. And that's what unlocks all those hundreds of millions of benefit. Yeah, exactly. And what is it do you think that has made us collectively um, not be aware of this? How come it's sort of invisible and, and normalized not to look in this direction? Well, your world becomes what you focus on psychologically. And the world has gone to technology and speed and uh, material abundance. 
So the more society focuses on uh, making a great deal of money and having a lot of stuff as the point of life, the human side of things that we used to enjoy quite a bit fall away. So, you know, leisure time used to be something that people really enjoyed. Now people go on vacation to get relief from the stress that they've created as they pursue their careers. Um, so, you know, the, the world has gone to technology and material and money, whereas in the past there used to be a much more balanced lifestyle that people were focused on. So, you know, the human mind just has this power in it that it becomes what you think. Your life becomes what you think about. And as, you know, people in business get higher and higher, they, their lives become so consumed by their responsibilities and their emails and what they need to get done, they, they lose track of what it means to be human. It's unfortunate. And a lot of the world is kind of going in this direction. And I think technology and the extent to which people are caught up in their phones and their computers is exacerbating the problem. Mm. And, and what would you say to someone who is listening, who is thinking, well, that's all very well, but, but you know, I, I'm already someone who listens quite well and um, I think I have a good work-life balance and I respect my leisure time. Um, you know, I'm, I'm aware of some of this stuff and how it can creep up on us. So I, I, I'm already kind of, you know, I, I'm a good listener. I, I, I do um, try and respect what, where my mind's at. Now, from my understanding, you know, this goes so much deeper than just what we normalize as listening better. So c- can you talk to that? What would you say to someone who thinks they're already kind of a good listener? Well, one of the main things that we point people to in our work is that the mind is designed to work beautifully, to be successful at whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, if used well and in balance. And because of the language that we use and the education that we've had, we tend to focus on the uh, activities that we can do, the things that there are in life, the plans that we have, the things that we're trying to accomplish. And we use our mind as a tool to get these things done. But we don't stop and really look at the mind as a living organism, as a living function that we are embedded in as a conscious being. And that the mind has a system built into it that's designed for success or excellence or efficiency. So in the absence of being consciously aware of the beautiful design of the mind, we tend to just use it like a workhorse for whatever we want to get accomplished or whatever we want to experience. We don't usually step back and reflect on what it means to be living in a mind or to look at how the mind actually works. And there's an amazing brilliance and beauty to the design of the mind that if we step back and look at it, we're in awe of and deeply grateful for. 
But most people don't stop and do that. And when we stop and do that, we begin to realize there's an enormous resource that we're sitting on or that is actually at the core of us, ready to go at any moment. And when we live in relationship to that living resource, it changes the way we go about life. We have a lot less stress. We have a lot more faith. We have a lot more dignity, and we have a lot more humanity. We find ourselves being much more kind and generous and uh, relaxed about how things go in life. And I, I think, you know, one thing you said there about we just don't see the mind as a, a, a living organism. Um, we, we don't explore that. It's not how we're educated to explore. We, we say, as you said, as a workhorse to get stuff done. Yeah. And there's something invisible that unfolds once, once people start to see that. And for me personally, I, I used to think my mind and my brain were the same thing, kind of, they're just different words for the same thing. And, you know, it was all about the brain and, and what I'd learned and my knowledge and my smarts. And I didn't really see it as anything wider and bigger than that. Um, but this, the fact that it's, there's, there's something sourcing us that is outside of where we normally look, although it's making a difference on every single thing that we do, I guess. Um, and once people get sight of that, that's what opens up all the resourcefulness and the well-being. Is there anything else you can say more about that kind of the invisible nature of that kind of living organism and, it, and this is about mind not brain just, it might help people get a bit more sight of it um, sure you know a lot of people are, are getting into yoga now and what will happen is they'll, they'll start doing a yoga practice and they'll start, no, they'll start noticing their breathing And then they'll start noticing that if they uh, allow their breath to drop into a natural pattern, they feel more relaxed and the body tends to relax and it's easier to stretch and that their mind quiets down. So this is an example of noticing a living system that's designed to work really well within yourself. Or some people, you know, they don't, they don't mind their diet. They'll just eat whatever they feel like. And then they notice they're not very healthy. And then at some point they start eating differently. And then the body starts to change. Either you lose weight or you have more energy or you have more clarity or, you, you know, something changes. And then you start to have a, an awareness that, your body is a living organism, not just a tool to feel good or not just a vehicle to get around in the world. It actually has a life of its own. Well, the mind, you know, is similar. You know, the mind has its living functions. It has its, its, eco, its own ecosystem. And if you start to live in harmony with the way the mind is designed, you start to realize how brilliant and resourceful it can be. It's, it's just like any other uh, 
so you know another example another example would be you know spirituality you know some people look at uh, religion or spirituality or or god or uh, spiritual practices as a way of appreciating the nature of life and the living nature of life and uh it's some an awareness that starts to creep into your life when you become aware of the spiritual nature of things. Well, the mind is similar. The mind is a spiritual living organism has a way of its own. It's got a life of its own. And if you treat it well, it will uh, treat you well back. So in this way, we point people to the living nature of things and the deep intelligence that's built into it. So the more that you focus on these things, the more you pay attention to it, and the more you realize how it's designed to work, the more it becomes part of your day-to-day life. I don't know if I'm answering your question, but that's what occurred to me. Yeah, no, you you totally are. And and I think it's, um, for me, it's, it's something that you, and this is the, the slight challenge in this work I find is that once people see that, they see that, but before they see that, they don't really see it, which is an obvious statement. And you have to just press pause on what you're currently focused your mind on, where your psychology is pointing, um, and then it starts to come through. But a lot of us are innocently running psychological interference to that. You know, we, we, we can't see it. And then when we do, it's like a sliding doors moment. You know, remember the movie. Um, and I think what you've done so beautifully in your work is, is as you described it, as a simple science. So to try and make that that's something that people can understand and see for themselves and realize. So if someone was saying, okay, you know, Ken, I'm really interested in what this is. You know, what is this simple science? How would you describe that in a couple of moments, in a couple of minutes? How would you describe this simple science of the mind that you help people in organizations see that unlocks all these huge benefits for them? Sure. Um, There's a a wonderful man named Sidney Banks who was not a very psychologically oriented person, but he had an enlightenment kind of experience. He, He had a deep epiphany and saw during this time, how the mind works at a very simple level and began speaking to the people in his life about it. And they thought he'd gone nuts, but uh, all of their lives got better as a result of listening to what he had to say. And the word got out and eventually people started coming from all over the world to listen to this guy talk about how the mind works. And I came along in the early 1990s having been trained as a psychologist, and uh, thought what he was saying was quite simplistic at the beginning. But then when I took the time to stop and really understand it, I realized there's a much simpler way of understanding the mind than what everything I learned in psychology. Now, what I learned in psychology was you know, how to focus on what's on people's minds or on the programming that happens in people's minds. So I spent many years sort of looking at the content. In other words, you know, people's specific thoughts or habits or desires or people's programming, you know, their 
their background, their childhood, their education, their culture? You know, what was the programming that got people interested in their specific content? And then when I came across Sidney Banks's work, I started to look at the way in which we experience life moment to moment as a living process. And realized that looking at that was much more effective at helping people live healthy lives and be productive. And this was a shock to me because it was so simple compared to everything I had learned in psychology. And I came back and I, uh, from a training program where I had first learned this and began sharing this perspective with my psychotherapy clients. And they, they got well really fast. And I was shocked. I mean, it happened for me, but then it happened for my clients. And then they began bringing me into their businesses and I began sharing with people in businesses how to look at how the mind functions from the inside out in a very simple way. And people's minds began to clear and they began having much more effective meetings and relationships at work. I began to see, I began to see, and they began to see the business benefit of all of this. Now, when we look at how the mind works rather than the content or the programming of people's thinking, what we look at is how Reality is created moment to moment by what we think and how our consciousness takes what we think and makes it look real to us. And when you start to catch a glimpse of that living process, you start to become more alert to what your own mind is doing moment to moment creating the experience and the reality that you have. And then you start taking your own thoughts and your own perspectives less seriously. And you become more open on the inside to looking for insight and wisdom that could occur to you within your own thinking. And when that happens, you find yourself being more relaxed and living a nicer life. And in the process, you also become more interested in what other people are thinking and what insights and wisdom other people have. And when you start shifting to a mindset where you're looking at life as a process backed up by wisdom and intelligence, you start to see that, you see other people through that lens as well. And uh, things shift into a less stressful more interesting and more intelligent way of being. Mm, yeah, I think it's um, it's it's one of those things that is is very pervasive once you see it, isn't it? I mean, I, you know, I said in introduction that it helps with performance, resourcefulness, and well-being. It's so it's once you see it, everything opens up, um, and that includes your ability to to connect with other people for your resilience, your creativity, your clarity, ability to prioritize even your energy um, because it's such a fundamental upstream kind of seeing. And I, I know for me, like, like you, that I, I was sort of 10 years in, in the world of personal professional development and change. And 
I came across this. And, and once I did, um, slowly but surely, um, I was a bit of a slow learn, but, you know, <laughs> had a lot of thinking in the way. But I, I just couldn't see how I could do the, what I was used to do and where I used to point people, which was into content and form and structure of their thinking rather than to the, the actuality of the living organism of the mind. And what fascinates me is, is once people see that, that they kind of go through what looks like a kind of valve, you know, and you, and you can't unsee it apart from in the moment when you can forget about, you can forget it. But when you see it again, you restore back to above the valve. Um, and I know you work with many people who are starting to see this and it becomes transformative in that it, it serves them for the rest of their life on this planet, really. It's, it's not a tactical fix, this. This is something you see fundamentally and then there's a shift. Um, and I suppose what we're doing is talking to businesses about this to see how that also has a value in um, making them more effective and efficient and, in, and love their work more. And, and, and what would, if someone's listening to this and thinking, well, if this was so wonderful and great and it sounds like you guys love it, why isn't the rest of the world onto this? How come there's just, you know, you two talking about it at the moment? Well, why isn't the rest of the world cottoned onto this? Um, well, there's a number of factors, you know. Uh, one is that there's a general stigma about the psychological dimension. I think primarily because there's been so much guesswork and so much uh, ineffective thinking about it that people have sort of turned off to looking in that direction. Uh, another reason is um, people don't take the time to look for new things. So um, it takes a while to look in this direction and um, see the benefit of it. And people are just so busy these days, they don't take the time to do so. And the third is that uh, there are a lot of people out there in the world trying to explain this. Uh, and there's a liability with explaining these, these principles to people, which is that the principles themselves are really not the, the value. The value is the deep intelligence that's in service of what people want to, to accomplish. So you have to you bring this understanding to people in service of them, of, in service of the people or their, their business. And whenever there's a new philosophy or a new model or a new Con, you know, conceptual system. People get really excited about the conceptual system and try to share the conceptual system as if it's going to you know, do great things for people. But people are not looking for a conceptual system. They're just looking for a nicer life or they're looking for a better business or they're looking for better business results. So the challenge is to bring whatever new ideas you have to a business in a mature way where it's really in service to the people in the business and not in service of your philosophy. So this is, this is um, 
always a, a limitation when there's new science that comes into the world or into new understanding that comes into humanity. It can get proselytized or made into a thing rather than having people see it as a uh, just a more efficient way to help people be successful in life. Uh, and I can relate to what you're saying there because uh, as it gets thingified, you know, people look at the concept, not what's, what it's pointing to. Um, right. And from my own experience, I found that it's, the irony is you kind of need a bit of concept to introduce people to start with, otherwise they don't know why you're talking to them. So you kind of have to show them a little bit of the concept and, you know, to get them interested. And I, I use the, the sort of construct of quality of mind. And then sort of as soon as they've seen enough to want to talk to you more, you kind of get rid of that and then say, well, actually, it's just what this is pointing to rather than what this is. Um, <laughs> so you have to kind of meet people where they're at, of course, because that their, their busy mind probably won't look beyond the concept to start with. Um, and that's an interesting thing to just uh, explore. Um, because I think most, of the, as you said, most of the world is looking for something. They don't have a lot of time, so they're looking for something quick and easy. Um, they're looking to the visible. They're looking to something very tangible straight away. Um, and there's almost a little bit of skepticism and cynicism around, well, yeah, that's all the mind stuff. Either it's woo-woo, what I call woo-woo, which is you know, not relevant, or it's kind of um, the same thing dressed up in, in, in new clothes. And that looks like to me sometimes what's uh, getting in the way of people seeing some of this. Um, however, uh, we of course need to be uh, aware of not getting caught up in our own uh, invisible lids on that. <laughs> well, it's true. And we all have them. It's true. Well, we're all human, right? Uh, it's part of, the, part of the joy of it. But it, it seems, to, I mean, I think this interesting thing you said at the beginning that this, because of the pace of society and business and technology, almost there's a growing need for this. Um, but at the same time, there seems to be, as business gets more and more complex, more ambiguity, uh, faster pace, um, there does seem to be an also a growing acceptance that the mind might have a bigger role than we've thought. Um, I don't know whether you see that out there now than you did. And, and you know, you, I know you've been around this for many years. Whether you see a, do you see a, a, a growing interest in the role of the mind? Oh, absolutely. Certainly. Um, in, some, in, some, in some areas, you know, um, I know that some really big companies, a lot of companies are doing mindfulness now. That's getting out there. So <clears throat> there is a consciousness growing in many areas. That, not in all areas, but certainly in many. So it's, it's definitely growing. I th I'm very hopeful about it. And how would you, if someone's thinking, well, this sounds like mindfulness, maybe you've just called it something different. How would you differentiate uh, what we're talking about here and what is going on with mindfulness and the way organizations are having that applied? Well, mindfulness uh, comes from Buddhism, which essentially has a deep understanding of consciousness and how we're creating reality from the inside out. And in Buddhist practices, there are quite a few strategies to get people focused on the present moment. And mindfulness is a way of using the physical senses to concentrate and focus on the present moment. 
which if done uh, effectively will calm the mind down and enable a person able person to access those deeper resources they have within themselves and get beyond the stress that they're generating for themselves. What uh, these principles that we teach point to is the capacity that the mind has to realize its own nature. And in realizing its own nature, we become awake to the way in which we use our mind that's not functional and the natural function that's built into the mind. And when we start to realize that and wake up to it or become more awake to it, we start moving our lifestyle to living that way rather than having a practice to relieve ourselves from our dysfunctional habits. So that's, a, in my mind, a more powerful strategy. I think mindfulness is fantastic, so don't get me wrong. I just think that uh, there's a deeper capacity that we have to wake up to our natural, inherently, innately healthy uh, way of functioning in the world. And when we begin to do that, our orientation to life changes and our orientation to being human changes. Now, it may not have always the immediate, in-the-moment impact that mindfulness could have as a practice. But it moves your life in that direction in a more wholesome and wholehearted way. So I think uh, these principles offer a new, a new depth of impact that I haven't seen with anything else. And I think that's a, a beautiful description and I would uh, encourage anyone to go back and rewind that and listen to it again. Actually, I would say that about the whole podcast, but, <laughs> uh, but I think it's a beautiful uh, distinction. And I think, you know, for me, it is great that mindfulness is out there and people are doing it. It has some benefits. Um, but, you know, we need to look at what mindfulness is pointing at rather than the practice. Um, and I think some people are using mindfulness to cope with their innocent misunderstanding of the fact the world can come and get them and they need something to help them cope. Um, you know, in the moment, uh, whereas what we're pointing to is something that has a more transformative shift. Um, so mindfulness is great, but don't stop there would be my soundbite. Um, so Ken, we're, we're, we've, um, running out of time, which is, uh, wow. But, um, if there was a, a, you know, a business leader or a business person sitting, listening and going, you know, remind me again in 30 seconds why I should sit up and listen to this. What, what, what would you, how would you kind of encapsulate the whole thing? How would you, what would be your leaving kind of 30 seconds on this? Well, we all have times when we are at our best. Or we know people who seem to go through life with a level of ease. Or every once in a while, we come across a leader that just has a great deal of calm, gravitas, and wisdom that we just want to follow. And we tend to attribute those qualities to people's special characters or education or opportunities. But un underneath, we all have these capacities. 
And with the right understanding of how the mind actually works and how to live in a mind in harmony with itself, we can all have that gravitas or wisdom or calm or balance. And this is why we are getting the referrals that we get and people bring us from one company to another because they see that there's the possibility of having that for themselves and their teams and their people. So this is a a new revolution that's available if people want to check it out, and I'd really encourage people to do so. It's the best thing I've come across in all my travels. Uh, And uh, likewise to me, hence why we're talking, and I think you know one of the things that you said there was that this does not depend on who you are and your background and your IQ and your demographic or your gender or your education. Um, the, the lovely thing about this is it's universal because we're pointing to something you know, deeply impersonal. Uh, and it, therefore, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter whether you know, you're not the kind of person that gets stuff like this. You know, it's available to everyone and it's not limited to certain people with certain IQs or, or, or backgrounds. Um, and it's a great leveler. So, and that's, that's going to be massively helpful for an organization. So thank you so much, Ken. I'm, I'm going to put some information in the show notes if people want to um, work out how to find you, you know, your websites and, and things like that. But it's been an um, absolute pleasure to grab some of your time and have this little chat. So, well, you too, uh, Piers. It's always great to connect with you. We've been friends for a long time, so it's always lovely to, to spend time with you. So thanks so much. And Thanks for the opportunity. This was really fun. Yeah, likewise, likewise. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please reach out and leave us a review and a comment. If you want more info, check out makingchangework.co.uk or Piers Thurston on LinkedIn.